Chapter 2 of The Double, a Petersburg poem by Fyodor Dostoevsky, translated by Constance Garnett. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter 2 The doctor of medicine and surgery, Krestyan Ivanovich Rutenspitz, a very hale though elderly man with thick eyebrows and whiskers that were beginning to turn grey, eyes with an expressive gleam in them that looked capable of routing every disease, and, lastly, with orders of some distinction on his breast, was sitting in his consulting-room that morning in his comfortable armchair. He was drinking coffee, which his wife had brought him with her own hand, smoking a cigar, and from time to time writing prescriptions for his patients. After prescribing a draft for an old man who was suffering from hemorrhoids, and seeing the aged patient out by the side door, Krestyan Ivanovich sat down to await the next visitor. Mr. Goyodkin walked in. Apparently, Krestyan Ivanovich did not in the least expect, nor desire, to see Mr. Goyodkin, for he was suddenly taken aback for a moment, and his countenance unconsciously assumed a strange, and one may almost say a displeased expression. As Mr. Goyadkin almost always turned up inappropriately, and was thrown into confusion whenever he approached anyone about his own little affairs, on this occasion, too, he was desperately embarrassed. Having neglected to get ready his first sentence, which was invariably a stumbling block for him on such occasions, he muttered something, apparently an apology, and, not knowing what to do next, took a chair and sat down. But, realizing that he had sat down without being asked to do so, he was immediately conscious of his lapse, and made haste to efface his offense against etiquette and good breeding by promptly getting up again from the seat he had taken uninvited. Then, on second thoughts, dimly perceiving that he had committed two stupid blunders at once, he immediately decided to commit a third. That is, tried to right himself, muttered something, smiled, blushed, and was overcome with embarrassment, sank into expressive silence, and finally sat down for good and did not get up again. Only to protect himself from all contingencies, he looked at the doctor with that defiant glare, which had an extraordinary power of figuratively crushing Mr. Goyadkin's enemies and reducing them to ashes. This glance, moreover, expressed to the full Mr. Goyadkin's independence, that is, to speak plainly, the fact that Mr. Goyadkin was all right, that he was quite himself like everybody else, and that there was nothing wrong in his upper story. Krestyan Ivanovich coughed cleared his throat, apparently in token of approval and assent to all this, and bent an inquisitorial interrogative gaze upon his visitor. "'I have come to trouble you a second time, Krestyan Ivanovich,' began Mr. Goyadkin with a smile. "'And now I venture to ask your indulgence a second time.' He was obviously at a loss for words. "'Hm, yes,' pronounced Krestyan Ivanovich, puffing out a spiral of smoke and putting down his cigar on the table." but you must follow the treatment prescribed to you. I explained to you that it would be beneficial to your health if you made a change of habits. Entertainment, for instance, and, well, friends, you should visit your acquaintances and not be hostile to the bottle, and likewise keep cheerful company. Mr. Goyadkin, still smiling, hastened to observe that he thought he was like everyone else, that he lived by himself, that he had entertainments like everyone else, that, of course, he might go to the theatre, for he had the means, like everyone else, that he spent the day at the office and the evenings at home, that he was quite all right. He even observed, in passing, that he was, so far as he could see, as good as anyone, that he lived at home, and finally, that he had Petrushka. At this point, Mr. Goyadkin hesitated. 
Hm, no, that is not the order of proceeding I want, and that is not at all what I would ask you. I am interested to know, in general, are you a great lover of cheerful company? Do you take advantages of festive occasions, and, well, do you lead a melancholy or cheerful manner of life? Christian Ivanovitch, I... Hm, I tell you, interrupted the doctor, that you must have a radical change of life, must in a certain sense break in your character. Christian Ivanovitch laid special stress on the word break in, and paused for a moment with a very significant air. Must not shrink from gaiety, must visit entertainments and clubs, and in any case be not hostile to the bottle. Sitting at home is not right for you. Sitting at home is impossible for you. I like quiet, Christian Ivanovitch, said Mr. Golyadkin, with a significant look at the doctor and evidently seeking words to express his ideas more successfully. In my flat there's only me and Petrushka. I mean my man, Christian Ivanovitch. I mean to say, Christian Ivanovitch, that I go my way, my own way, Christian Ivanovitch. I keep myself to myself, and so far as I can see, I am not dependent on anyone. I go out for walks, too, Christian Ivanovitch. What? Yes, well, nowadays there's nothing agreeable in walking. The climate's extremely bad. Quite so, Christian Ivanovitch. Though I'm a peaceable man, Christian Ivanovitch, as I've had the honor of explaining to you already, yet my way lies apart, Christian Ivanovitch. The ways of life are manifold. I mean, I'm, I mean to say, Christian Ivanovitch. Excuse me, Christian Ivanovitch, I've no great gift for eloquent speaking. Hmm, you say? I say, you must excuse me, Christian Ivanovitch, that as far as I can see, I am no great hand at eloquence in speaking. Mr. Goyadkin articulated, stammering and hesitating, in a half-aggrieved voice. In that respect, Christian Ivanovitch, I'm not quite like other people, he added, with a peculiar smile. I can't talk much and have never learnt to embellish my speech with literary graces. On the other hand, I act, Christian Ivanovitch. On the other hand, I act, Christian Ivanovitch. Hmm, how, how's that? You, you act? responded Christian Ivanovitch. Then silence followed for half a minute. The doctor looked somewhat strangely and mistrustfully at his visitor. Mr. Goyadkin, for his part, too, stole a rather mistrustful glance at the doctor. Christian Ivanovitch, he began, going on again in the same tone as before, somewhat irritated and puzzled by the doctor's extreme obstinacy. I like tranquility and not the noisy gaiety of the world. Among them, I mean, in the noisy world, Christian Ivanovitch, one must be able to polish the floor with one's boots. Here Mr. Golyadkin made a slight scrape on the floor with his toe. They expect it, and they expect puns too. One must know how to make a perfumed compliment. That's what they expect there. And I've not learnt to do it, Christian Ivanovitch. I've never learnt all those tricks. I've never had the time. I'm a simple person and not ingenious. And I've no external polish. On that side, I surrender, Christian Ivanovitch. I lay down my arms, speaking in that sense. All this Mr. Goyadkin pronounced with an air which made it perfectly clear that our hero was far from regretting that he was laying down his arms in that sense, and that he had not learnt those tricks. Quite the contrary, indeed. As Christian Ivanovitch listened to him, he looked down with a very unpleasant grimace on his face, seeming to have a presentiment of something. Mr. Goyadkin's tirade was followed by a rather long and significant silence. You have, I think, departed a little from the subject, Christian Ivanovitch said at last, in a low voice. I confess I cannot altogether understand you. I'm not a great hand at eloquent speaking, Christian Ivanovitch. 
"'I've had the honour to inform you, Kristian Ivanovitch, already,' said Mr. Golyadkin, speaking this time in a sharp and resolute tone. "'Hm. Kristian Ivanovitch,' began Mr. Golyadkin, again in a low but more significant voice, in a somewhat solemn style, and emphasising every point, "'Kristian Ivanovitch, when I came in here, I began with apologies. I repeat the same thing again, and again ask for your indulgence.' There's no need for me to conceal it, Kristian Ivanovitch. I'm an unimportant man, as you already know, but, fortunately for me, I do not regret being an unimportant man. Quite the contrary, indeed, Kristian Ivanovitch, and, to be perfectly frank, I'm proud that I'm not a great man, but an unimportant man. I'm not one to intrigue, and I'm proud of that, too. I don't act on the sly, but openly, and without cunning, and although I could do harm, too, and a great deal of harm, indeed, and know to whom and how to do it, Kristian Ivanovitch, yet I won't sully myself, and in that sense I wash my hands. In that sense I say, I wash them, Kristian Ivanovitch. Mr. Goyadkin paused expressively for a moment. He spoke with mild fervor. I set to work, Kristian Ivanovitch, our hero continued, directly, openly, by no devious ways, for I disdain them, and leave them to others. I do not try to degrade those who are perhaps purer than you and I, that is, I mean, I and they, Kristian Ivanovitch, I didn't mean you. I don't like an insinuation, I've no taste for contemptible duplicity, I'm disgusted by slander and calumny. I only put on a mask at a masquerade and I don't wear one before people every day. I only ask you, Kristian Ivanovitch, how would you revenge yourself upon your enemy, your most malignant enemy, the one you would consider as such? Mr. Goyadkin concluded with a challenging glance at Kristian Ivanovitch. Though Mr. Goyadkin pronounced this with the utmost distinctness and clearness, weighing his words with a self-confident air and reckoning on their probable effect, yet meanwhile he looked at Kristian Ivanovitch with anxiety, with great anxiety, with extreme anxiety. Now he was all eyes and timidly waited for the doctor's answer with irritable and agonized impatience. But to the perplexity and complete amazement of our hero, Kristian Ivanovitch only muttered something to himself, and then he moved his armchair up to the table and rather dryly, though politely, announced something to the effect that his time was precious and that he did not quite understand, that he was ready, however, to attend to him as far as he was able, but he would not go into anything further that did not concern him. At this point he took the pen, drew a piece of paper towards him, cut out of it the usual long strip, and announced that he would immediately prescribe what was necessary. "'No, it's not necessary, Kristian Ivanovitch. No, that's not necessary at all,' said Mr. Goyadkin, getting up from his seat and clutching Kristian Ivanovitch's right hand. "'That isn't what's wanted, Kristian Ivanovitch.' And, while he said this, a queer change came over him. His grey eyes gleamed strangely, his lips began to quiver— all the muscles, all the features of his face began moving and working. He was trembling all over. After stopping the doctor's hand, Mr. Goyadkin followed his first movement by standing motionless as though he had no confidence in himself and were waiting for some inspiration to further action. Then followed a rather strange scene. Somewhat perplexed, Kristian Ivanovitch seemed for a moment rooted to his chair and gazed open-eyed in bewilderment at Mr. Goyatkin, who looked at him in the exact same way. At last, Kristian Ivanovitch stood up, gently holding the lining of Mr. Goyatkin's coat. For some seconds, they both stood like that, motionless, with their eyes fixed on each other. 
then however in an extraordinarily strange way came mr goyadkin's second movement his lips trembled his chin began twitching and our hero quite unexpectedly burst into tears sobbing shaking his head and striking himself on the chest with his right hand while with his left clutching the lining of the doctor's coat he tried to say something and to make some explanation but could not utter a word at last krestyan ivanovitch recovered from his amazement come calm yourself he brought out at last trying to make mr goyatkin sit down in an armchair i have enemies krestyan ivanovitch i have enemies i have malignant enemies who have sworn to ruin me mr goyatkin answered in a frightened whisper come come why enemies you mustn't talk about enemies you really mustn't sit down sit down krestyan ivanovitch went on getting mr goyatkin once for all into the armchair mr goyatkin sat down at last still keeping his eyes fixed upon the doctor with an extremely displeased air krestyan ivanovitch strode from one end of the room to the other a long silence followed i'm grateful to you krestyan ivanovitch i'm very grateful and i'm very sensible of all you've done for me now to my dying day i shall never forget your kindness krestyan ivanovitch said mr goyatkin getting up from his seat with an offended air come give over i tell you give over krestyan ivanovitch responded rather sternly to mr goyatkin's outburst making him sit down again well what's the matter tell me what is unpleasant krestyan ivanovitch went on and what enemies are you talking about what is wrong no krestyan ivanovitch we'd better leave that now answered mr goyatkin casting down his eyes let us put all that aside for the time till another time krestyan ivanovitch till a more convenient moment when everything will be discovered and the masks fall off certain faces and something comes to light but meanwhile now of course after what has passed between us you will agree yourself krestyan ivanovitch allow me to wish you good morning krestyan ivanovitch said mr goyatkin getting up gravely and resolutely and taking his hat oh well as you like hmm. a moment of silence followed for my part you know whatever i can do and i sincerely wish you well i understand you krestyan ivanovitch i understand i understand you perfectly now in any case excuse me for having troubled you krestyan ivanovitch hm, no i didn't mean that however as you please go on taking the medicines as before i will go on with the medicines as you say krestyan ivanovitch i will go on with them and i will get them at the same chemists to be a chemist nowadays krestyan ivanovitch is an important business how so in what sense do you mean in a very ordinary sense krestyan ivanovitch i mean to say that nowadays that's the way of the world hmm and that every silly youngster not only a chemist boy turns up his nose at respectable people hmm how do you understand that i am speaking of a certain person krestyan ivanovitch of a common acquaintance of ours krestyan ivanovitch of vladimir semyonovitch ah yes krestyan ivanovitch and i know certain people krestyan ivanovitch who don't quite keep to the general rule of telling the truth sometimes ah how so why yes it is so but that's neither here nor there they sometimes manage to serve you up a fine egg in gravy what serve up what an egg in gravy krestyan ivanovitch it's a russian saying they know how to congratulate someone at the right moment for instance there are people like that congratulate yes congratulate krestyan ivanovitch as someone i know very well did the other day someone you know very well ah how was that said krestyan ivanovitch looking attentively at mr goyatkin 
Yes, someone I know very well indeed congratulated someone else I know very well. And, what's more, a comrade, a friend of his heart, on his promotion, on his receiving the rank of assessor. This was how it happened to come up. I am exceedingly glad of the opportunity to offer you, Vladimir Semyonovich, my congratulations, my sincere congratulations, on your receiving the rank of assessor. And I'm the more pleased, as all the world knows, that there are old women nowadays who tell fortunes. At this point, Mr. Goyadkin gave a sly nod, and screwing up his eyes, looked at Kristian Ivanovich. Hmm, so he said that? He did, Kristian Ivanovich, he did say it, and glanced at once at Andrei Filopovich, the uncle of our Prince Charming, Vladimir Semyonovich. But what is it to me, Kristian Ivanovich, that he has been made an assessor? What is it to me? And he wants to get married, and the milk is scarcely dry on his lips, if I may be allowed the expression. And I said it much. Vladimir Semyonovich, said I, I've said everything now. Allow me to withdraw. Hmm. Yes, Kristian Ivanovich, allow me now, I say, to withdraw. But to kill two birds with one stone, as I twitted our young gentleman with the old woman, I turned to Clara Olsufiena, it all happened the day before, at Olsufi Ivanovich's, and she had only just sung a song full of feeling. You've sung songs full of feeling, madame, said I, but they've not been listened to with a pure heart. And by that I hinted plainly, Kristian Ivanovich, hinted plainly that they were not running after her now, but looking higher. Ah, and what did he say? He swallowed the pill, Kristian Ivanovich, as the saying is. Hmm. Yes, Kristian Ivanovich. To the old man himself, too, I said. Olsufi Ivanovich, said I. I know how much I'm indebted to you. I appreciate to the full all the kindness you've showered upon me from my childhood up. But open your eyes, Olsufi Ivanovich, said I. Look about you. I myself do things openly and above board, Osufi Ivanovich. Oh, really? Yes, Kristian Ivanovich, really. What did he say? Yes, what indeed, Kristian Ivanovich. He mumbled one thing and another, and I know you, and that his excellency was a benevolent man. He rambled on. But there, you know, he's begun to be a bit shaky, as they say, with old age. Ah, so that's how it is now. Yes, Kristian Ivanovich, and that's how we all are. Poor old man, he looks toward the grave, breathes incense, as they say, while they concoct a piece of womanish gossip, and he listens to it. Without him they wouldn't. Gossip, you say? Yes, Kristian Ivanovich, they've concocted a womanish scandal. Our bear, too, had a finger in it, and his nephew, our Prince Charming. They've joined hands with the old woman, and of course they've concocted the affair. Would you believe it? They plotted the murder of someone. The murder of someone? Yes, Kristian Ivanovich, the moral murder of someone. They spread about. I'm speaking of a man I know very well. Kristian Ivanovich nodded. They spread rumors about him. I confess I'm ashamed to repeat them, Kristian Ivanovich. Hmm. They spread a rumor that he had signed a promise to marry, though he was already engaged in another quarter. And would you believe it, Kristian Ivanovich, to whom? Really? To a cook, to a disreputable German woman, from whom he used to get his dinners. Instead of paying what he owed, he offered her his hand. Is that what they say? Would you believe it, Kristian Ivanovich? A low German, a nasty, shameless German, Karolina Ivanova, if you know. I confess, for my part, I understand you, Kristian Ivanovich. I understand, and for my part, I feel it. 
Tell me, please, where are you living now? Where am I living now, Krestyan Ivanovich? Yes, I want... I believe you used to live... Yes, Krestyan Ivanovich, I did. I used to. To be sure, I lived, answered Mr. Golyadkin, accompanying his words with a little laugh and somewhat disconcerting Krestyan Ivanovich by his answer. No, you misunderstood me. I meant to say... I, too, meant to say, Krestyan Ivanovich. I meant it, too, Mr. Golyadkin continued, laughing. But I've kept you far too long, Krestyan Ivanovich. I hope you will allow me now to wish you good morning. Hmm. Yes, Krestyan Ivanovich, I understand you. I fully understand you now, said our hero with a slight flourish before Krestyan Ivanovich. And so permit me to wish you good morning. At this moment, our hero made a scrape with the toe of his boot and walked out of the room, leaving Krestyan Ivanovich in the utmost amazement. As he went down the doctor's stairs, he smiled and rubbed his hands gleefully. On the steps, breathing the fresh air and feeling himself at liberty, he was certainly prepared to admit that he was the happiest of mortals, and thereupon to go straight to his office, when suddenly his carriage rumbled up to the door. He glanced at it and remembered everything. Petrushka was already opening the carriage door. Mr. Golyadkin was completely overwhelmed by a strong and unpleasant sensation. He blushed, as it were, for a moment. Something seemed to stab him. He was just about to raise his foot to the carriage step when he suddenly turned round and looked towards Krestyan Ivanovich's window. Yes, it was so. Krestyan Ivanovich was standing at the window, was stroking his whiskers with his right hand and staring with some curiosity at the hero of our story. That doctor is silly, thought Mr. Goyadkin, huddling out of sight in the carriage. Extremely silly. He may treat his patients all right, but still, he's as stupid as a post. Mr. Goyadkin sat down. Petrushka shouted, Off! And the carriage rolled towards the Nevsky Prospect again. End of chapter 2